Hi there, and welcome to the Pearls from My Mom podcast. Every mom has special pearls of wisdom she passes on to her kids. In this podcast, we'll be talking about those pearls of wisdom, as well as the life lessons that our moms have passed down to us. We will be sharing to keep the legacy alive. Hello, hello, and welcome to Pearls from My Mom, the podcast. My name's Jessie, and I'm your host. I'm so happy that you're here today. Thank you so much for listening. I have what I think is going to be a really great episode for you today. I am interviewing Lisa Zarotny. She is a productivity coach and professional organizer. She owns her own business called Positively Productive Systems, LLC, and she is absolutely fabulous. She has learned so much from her mother. So she's going to be talking about her mom and what she learned, of course, her favorite pearls of wisdom and how she applies that personally and professionally. So I cannot wait to get to it. So let's just get to it. Hello, Lisa. How are you? I'm great, Jesse. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. I'm so happy that you're here. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I love what you do. And I'm so excited to talk to you about my mom. Oh, I can't wait to hear about her. So why don't we do that? Jump. Let's jump in. Why don't you tell us what was your mom like? Okay. Well, first of all, let's give her a name. It's Gertrude Anne, but she always went by Anne. And this is a woman who came from Germany and she came later in life. And I'm always so fascinated because, you know, that, 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 courage that it takes to be an immigrant, go to a different country, learn the language, and figure things out with with very limited resources. That's something that she did, and she did it so beautifully. There was nothing that stopped her. So she moved to this country. She met my dad. Uh, they developed a business together, actually a couple of businesses, <laughs> now that I think about it. And uh, she was the quintessential caregiver. She was a foster mom. She and my dad adopted me. They took care of, you know, just about anybody who crossed their path. And she was also a caregiver for her aunt, who was basically like my grandmother. And then she cared for my dad, and I helped her do that. And then in the end, um, I cared for her. But she really, um, she taught me how to care for others and how to nurture Oh, that's that sounds so nice. <laughs> um, so you said she came over from Germany, and then she met your dad in the U.S., right? Yes, yes, she did. Oh, wow. So she came over all by herself. Yeah. that's it amazes me. I mean, it's, like I said, the, the, the courage to do something like that and just be like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And that's something that, you know, can, continued throughout her whole life was she put her mind to do something, she was going to do it. Oh, that's awesome. And you said they started businesses together as well? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So did, and, and you yourself, you're a business owner, as I mentioned in the intro there. So, you know, did you pick up any of that, those things from her? Did you learn anything from her on that aspect? Absolutely. Actually, both of them. And they were a fascinating combination. I think my dad was really more of the idea man, you know, and kind of dreaming big. And my mom was the implementer, which of course, you know, (laughs) that she had that German work ethic. And Mm -hmm. she's such a hard worker. And the two of them together, it was a really strong match. So yeah, I grew up with family businesses. And I grew up understanding uh, what that was like and, and the risks that you take, but the rewards that you get for it. So I absolutely had the entrepreneur mindset from early on. 
And it was always in the back of my mind. And even when I had traditional employment, I would, you know, do things on the side and then eventually now have my own business. And that's all that I do. And they are, both of them are actually um, huge, huge bits of inf uh, inspiration for me. They, uh, you know, I think about them so much as I'm doing this. Oh, that's awesome. Now, you said that you know, she was a caretaker. She took you in. She took care of you and everybody else. You helped her take care of uh, your father. I'm I'm assuming, you know, towards the end of his life is kind of what it sounded like. Yes. And then you said you got to take care of her in the end. Mm -hmm. So first of all, tell us how long she's been gone. I think that would help for some context. Yes, she has been, uh, she passed away Christmas 2011. So uh, as we're talking about this, it's just a little over six years. Okay. And it's been 20 years for my dad. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I think that's really something that's, that's kind of neat that I haven't really touched on with a whole lot of people. But what was it like for you knowing that, you know, your mom got to take such good care of you and then in the end you got to help take care of her? What was that like for you? It, it was really complex. And so I'll, I'll share a little bit of the story so you can understand, you know, where the complexity comes from. Uh, the, the, initial answer that I would give, of course, is that it's a blessing. It's very, it's, it's unusual maybe, or it's, it's not as common at least to be able to pay it back as opposed to paying it forward. So that part I'm always grateful for. Mm -hmm. um, but it was also very difficult too, because that's not the usual way of things. Uh, so with my dad, you know, he was uh, very sick physically and uh, she took care of him and I helped her do that. And, you know, learned a great deal from her about just powering through. And she lived a good, strong life. But um, right around the time that I was pregnant with my son in the spring of 2007, she was at a point where she needed to be, um, she needed help. She needed to, I'm trying to think of the way to put it. it you know, knowing now what I know, it, it's difficult to describe she had Alzheimer's. We didn't know that's what it was at the time. We just knew that it was time for her not to live alone anymore. Mm -hmm. And so we moved her in with us and through the life cycle of that disease. And we did our very best to live a good life with her. And I did everything for her, um, all of her, you know, her social calendar and, you know, uh, everything that we did at home, we incorporated her into the process, including, of course, my pregnancies. I had my son and then I was also pregnant and had my daughter. And, you know, there was a lot of beauty in that, but there was also a great deal of struggle for me. It was a very, very hard time for me. Um, and it was, so, but yeah, so it's a, you know, once again, a complicated answer because it was a blessing to serve her that way, but it was also really, really challenging. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And I don't want to dwell on that too much because, you know, yeah. like I, I never purposely try to make anybody cry on the show, but we usually do anyway. So um. yeah, no, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I got tissues on the hand. So um, I, I do think that's really interesting though. You know, I, my mom passed away when she was, she was 65. She mm. had no mental, you know, she wasn't losing any of her faculties or anything like that. And I know that that was one of the things that she was most afraid of in life. So yeah. she kind of, I guess, burned out quickly rather than like fading away. And I mm. think that that's something that if, if I had to take care of her in a state where she, you know, wasn't, 
100% aware of what was going on. Or, you know, I think that would be really hard. So I think that that your answer is completely, you know, normal, justified. I mean, obviously you, you don't need my approval, but, (laughs) um, but I would imagine that how I, I can't imagine how hard that would be for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your relationship, you know, at the heart of when, when she was at her peak and she was, you know, she was the best of times, what was your relationship with your mom like? The best of times, it still had its sort of complication in that she was the disciplinarian, you know, the German mom. Go ahead and picture that, and you've pictured it correctly. (laughs) (laughs) You know, she kept me in line, but at the same time, there was great love. And one of the things she taught me about that was that there could be so much strictness and structure, but if there was love and nurturing you know, the balance would, would hold us. And so, you know, she challenged me and she cared for me and she looked out for me and she always showed up for me. So I would say that, you know, uh, it was a wonderful relationship. And I, I do want to add that, um, she and my dad both, uh, you know, they always treated me as being so cherished because I was adopted. So that was another aspect to the life that I lived with them is that they, they wanted me and they showed me that. So yes, she was tough on me, but she, she did it with love. (laughs) Well, that's beautiful. I mean, that's, that sounds, that that sounds beautiful. That's really the only word I can can Mm. use there. Now, have you, you said you're a mom too. So have you used any of her uh, German mom parenting tactics on your kids as well? Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I run a tight ship. No, but I mean, I do it with, you know, I do it with that love. And I always remember that whenever I think that I'm doing something wrong. So for all the moms and dads out there who have those moments where you think, oh, am I doing this right? If the love is there, that that's a a really strong reminder for me all the time. And I I do love my kids so much. So I, I'm just reminded it's okay. We, We can be imperfect. And, you know, there were a few things that she did that were probably excessively tough. And so, you know, I, I pick and choose. I, I pick the stuff about the structure and the discipline and, you know, not taking any guff from people and, and you know, getting that respect. But at the same time, um, I think I also am a bit softer and, and pull from, from my dad's side, I think, in terms of, uh, I think, the respect that I show my children and, and how I engage with them. So it's a good mix. Oh, it sounds like it. Yeah. I saw a shirt the other day that said, um, world's okayest mom. And I was like, <laughs> I need that shirt. <laughs> yes. I certainly don't feel like I'm like good at it most days, but like they're alive. Yeah. They're fed for most part. You know, like I feel like parenting's a hard, hard thing, man. It sure is. And you know what I think is that if you are even remotely thinking about it or worrying about it, it means you're great at it. Oh, that's good. Oh, thank you. I'll take it. Right? (laughs) (laughs) I will take that. Yes. So that's, that's awesome. And, you know, here we are, we're talking about your mom on the podcast. It was something that I had put out there and, uh, you you know, you kind of said you wanted to come on. So why would you want to tell her story? Well, for so many reasons, not the least of which she was this incredible woman and an inspiration. So this allows me to continue her legacy, not just in the way that I'm living, but in being able to talk about her. So that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, As a businesswoman, I have been sharing her story more because my experiences with her led me to run the business that I do. And she's a direct inspiration to what I do. And so I feel that I honor her by sharing that. And I also 
help. It really connects me with people. They understand where I'm coming from, where my heart is at, mm-hmm. and how I'm driven to to serve as I do. And uh, yeah, when I think about my mom and I think about being a business owner myself, you know, she was not only my inspiration, but she was ahead of her time when I think about it. And, and, you know, that's inspiring for all women. And I think especially now, um, I feel like I'm coming into my own and I feel like I'm connecting with so many women who feel that way. I don't want this to be totally women centric, but I'm just saying, I mean, this is mom, mom to daughter. So that's the connection. Right. And, and so I feel that and I, and I want to share it. That's excellent. And you said that she, you know, her life and her, her inspiration for you to start and run your own business. Did she, had you started your business before when she was around? I had done multiple businesses. I had years and years of doing different kinds of freelance work. My husband and I had a business together. So she was aware of that. She was aware of my entrepreneurial endeavors. But the business that I have now as a life coach and a professional organizer and a productivity coach, um, that is something that came after her. So she only knows that in spirit now. <laughs> mm-hmm. But she knew that you were you know, into business and you had the entrepreneurial. Did she? Do you feel like she had a sense of pride in that? Do you, did, did she know how much of an inspiration she was to you? I think she knew how much of an influence she was. I don't know if she knows how much of an inspiration she was. And she was most definitely proud of me. Uh, But, you know, she was proud of me for so many reasons, not the least of which was that beautiful grandson and their granddaughter too. But really, she she didn't connect quite as much with with my daughter um, based on, you know, how how she was progressing with her disease, but she connected very deeply with my son. And, you know, so there were many, many reasons that she had to be proud. So I, I definitely didn't question that, but it's a great oh, Sure, I'm sure she would be. I, I'd be proud of you. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> now you said, you know, she did get to connect with your son. It's funny because I hear a lot of my mom's, you know, kind of story. And it sounds like we were, you said it was 2007, you were pregnant with your son. Mm-hmm. So same here. And my mom, you know, got a chance to be around my son and and she had a really special connection with him. So how special and wonderful was it for you to see her being a grandma? Oh, Oh, goodness. Okay, great. We're we're officially crying now. Um, (laughs) It was incredible. She called him her prince, you know, and it was exciting on multiple levels because you figure she wasn't able to have children. She adopted me Mm -hmm. and I was able, you know, I was pregnant with him. And so I felt like not only did I get to experience this, but I got to have her live vicariously through me in that regard too. She was there in the delivery room and everything. And it was hysterical because at that point, she completely gave up on being a mom to me. She was like, (laughs) you know, didn't matter if I was in pain or whatever. It's like, push and get him out of here. I want want to meet him, you know. <laughs> and everybody was checking on her. Are you okay? And I'm like, hello, woman having a baby here. <laughs> <laughs> I I can relate to that as well. <laughs> I think it's funny. It's I mean, my mom, she said something to me one day about, you know, she's like, Of course you're my child and I love you, but she's like, There's nothing like being a grandma. Wow. And you know, like, you know, she wasn't lessening her love for me or anything, but she she had a really special connection with my son too. So I'm really happy that you got to, you know, the, 
your mom got to experience that with you and with your son. Yeah. And that he got to experience like her and her unwavering ability to give. Like, I feel like she just never complained about giving. Sometimes I'm like, I've had enough or I need a break. And, and I swear that woman, I mean, she just would give and give and give. What can I do? She would play puzzles with him. And she, she wore a path in our backyard, um, um, pushing him in a stroller when he needed, you know, to calm him. And she just, she gave, you know, so much love. And, and it was a real lesson for me too, because as uh, the Alzheimer's um, continued to take her over and her faculties were failing, um, you know, I was reminded that the connection still mattered so much because even if you can't make, you can't communicate or make the connection in that way, it's always wonderful to have someone who's there loving you. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Oh, and do you, so does your son, you know, still talk about your mom? Does he have a recollection of this special relationship that they had? Mostly, I think, from us talking about it, but, you know, I think he has an appreciation for it as opposed to specific memories. Mm-hmm. It was quite little, and, you know, we could watch the two of them, and, and as he was progressing, she was, you know, um, I don't know what the word would be, I guess, degrading in a way, or, you know, so she was um, losing losing abilities, and he was gaining them, and, and uh, so I don't know if if he has specific memory so much as that he has a great appreciation for the role she played in his life. Oh, that's excellent. And do you, I know you said with your business, you tell her story and you talk about her, you know, because she was your inspiration for that. But how do you, do you talk about her? You know, I'm sure you do with your little ones, but how do you do that at home? Uh, you mean as far as like the stories we share or what we do at home? Yeah, I mean, just just do you talk about her a lot at home, I guess? is it? Yeah, and I think it's more like we talk about her naturally. Things come up and, you know, there are certain times of the year and Christmas was one of them. You know, a lot of times when I tell people she passed away on Christmas, they're very heartbroken for me. And in a way it is, it makes it a complicated time. But at the same time, she loved Christmas so much. And, you know, Christmas Germans, especially Bavarians, I tell you, they know how to do Christmas. <laughs> and she, she lived it up when it was Christmas time. She created such a magical time for me. So I can't help but think of her. I can't help but, you know, bring up, we have ornaments, you know, that reminds me of her. And of course, uh, yeah, food, we're always, <laughs> I'm cooking something and, I, and it reminds me. So we, we talk about her naturally and we joke and we go to the, the German fests and October fests and we toast her and use the steins that we collected over time and that came from her house. And, you know, it's just different kinds of traditions and moments or sometimes, you know, we're out in the garden and we remember, you know, because she, oh man, that woman had like 10 green fingers and I can kill a fake plant sometimes. So uh, that did not transfer. But, <laughs> you know, she, she, we, we just, yeah, every time, you know, there's so many places in our lives that she touched and we just talk, you know, as it comes up. That's awesome. Did you ever get to visit Germany? Did you? I did. Um, it was at a point in time where she was not doing quite as well, but we were really determined to get her back over there to see family. Mm-hmm. So I was able to go with her and uh, it was a, 
it was a very special trip. It was a, a bit challenging too for me with the language barrier, but but it was definitely very special to say that I was there with her. Oh, that's great. So you never picked up any German? I did, but I always second-guessed myself because I was an English major and she was always looking to me to write for her, to speak on her behalf. You know, it's kind of that uh, for anyone who's born of an immigrant, uh, there there's that tendency for the child to become like the the English speaker and translator and so forth. And not that she wasn't speaking the language, but she wasn't always confident. So she looked to me that way and I became like the ultimate English speaker. And, and so then I second guess myself with the language. So I know enough to get by. I can order myself a beer, find out where the bathroom is, you know, <laughs> I understand a little bit of what people were saying, but I never got really confident. Ah, well, that's all right. I actually know what you're saying because both my kids are bilingual in English and French because we live in Quebec. And so my my French isn't awesome. So if I'm out in public with them, I'll find myself kind of like being like, hey, you want to help me out with this? So they've become my my go-to translators. So I get it. (laughs) Okay. All right. That's wonderful that you have that though. (laughs) Oh, I know. Yeah. It's, I think my kids are, my kids are so smart. I'm so, I'm so proud of them, but you know, that's a whole, that's a whole different podcast. And how old are they now, Jesse? So my son's nine and my daughter's six. Okay. Oh yeah. And my, my daughter uh, turned seven in September and my son just turned 10. So. So the same age gap. Yep. Are they nice to each other? Not bad, especially <laughs> since my daughter's decided she really likes Minecraft and Star Wars. My daughter too. She's my my son's super into Lego Dimensions and Minecraft, so she's you know she does the same thing. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. So now now things are pretty cool, man. If they can get you know <laughs> working in Minecraft together. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. We, we, I, see, I hear a lot of you, me, and you, and it seems like we're really similar. So yeah, yeah. There's a lot of similarities. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. So what do you do to keep her memory alive? Like I know that you gave a few examples like at Christmas and you know the beer steins and things like that. But I mean, is there is there anything specific that you do that, you know, this this is for my mom, this is to keep her around? I tend to keep it very fluid in that, uh, you know, coming from the, I guess, the professional organizer side, if you will, or I, you know, there's a a lot that I I talk about with my clients and I try to do with myself because I'm always trying to walk my talk is to say, what's there that's really meaningful for you that connects you to someone and how can you honor it? So it's not like there's a lot of things, but there are select things. There's things from my childhood home that remind me of her that I display. And there are, you know, picture paintings really of um, Germany that came from her that are up. And like I said, we keep the steins out that came from, from her and we use them regularly. I have uh, China that we use for special occasions and that came from Bavaria and that was hers. So it's select things that we keep out and we use always in a way to, to honor her memory, but that they're also useful and beautiful and inspirational on their own as well, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think it's so nice. There's, a, and I, I'm glad you said that because sometimes I think I'm a little strange because I have like, like a mug from my mom's work. My mom was a director. She was mm-hmm. like a higher up lady in, in the state of Colorado. And I, I use her mug sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually use it every morning when I do lemon water, you know, the warm lemon water. Yeah. It just, it just like kind of keeps her on my, on my mind and it kind of, you know, just, it's like a little nod to her every morning. Like, yeah, I'm thinking about you and 
I don't know. I, I, I like that. Just the little closeness moments that you have. I think that's great. I love that. Like I happen to be in a room right now where I'm looking at two beautiful paintings that I know came from her and that represent like the Bavarian countryside. And so it's, it's a very simple thing, but it's also something that I love. I love that you have that mug. It's useful too. You know what I mean? That's fantastic. It's, it's not, you know, it's, it's part of your everyday living. I think that's one of the best ways that, that we can honor their memory is, is by living and living well, you know, with them kind of seamlessly incorporated into it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I do have a bunch of useless stuff that I probably should not, but I, I pared down quite a bit. I think I had mentioned that when I was cleaning out our house, I used a, a method. Otherwise, I probably would have ended up hoarding it all, but Oh, understood. And, you know, this is something we can certainly talk about another time, but it's absolutely a process. Take your time with it. It's like peeling back layers of an onion. You know, I'm still doing the same thing. And, you know, sometimes I have this moment where I'm like, oh, you're a professional organizer. And then I'm like, ah, oh, you're also a daughter with a heart that, you know, there's no right or wrong here. It's all about what's right for you. That's true. That's true. I love that. That's a good pearl of, pearl of wisdom from you. And as you know, our show is called Pearls from My Mom. So the heart of it is really, you know, the best piece of advice, the best pearl of wisdom that your mom gave you. And it doesn't have to be, you know, one specific phrase. It can be a way that she lived or give us the goods on what your, what kind of pearls of wisdom your mom gave you. Well, you know, when I was thinking about that, I was like, oh, what would be, you know, the the best, you know, when you think pearls of wisdom, you do sometimes think of a quote, but then I realized it's so much about how she lived. But the first thing I want to share is one quote that always sticks out for me and really did have an impact on me. And it is what you don't have in your head, you have to have in your feet. <laughs> and, I need to elaborate on that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And the, the way that that was described is that if you don't think about you know, what you need, remember what you need, you know, have a system for that. You're going to have to keep going back and forth. You, you end up having to compensate by moving more, so to speak. I think it was, to me, it was like a planning and an efficiency kind of thing. Hmm. Like think about it first and then, you know, like you make the trip. And I, st I tell you to this day, it's probably part of why I'm a productivity coach and there's like an efficiency to it. As I think about it, I'm like, okay, what are the things I need? And where am I? I'm going upstairs right now. How can I be most efficient? You know, because if you go and then you come back and then you're like, oh, I forgot that. And then you go and don't get me wrong. I've walked into rooms and I'm like, why am I here? So I'm, <laughs> this is by no means <laughs> a judgment, but it's this concept of thinking about it first and having it in your head and understanding what you need to accomplish. And then you don't have to, you know, keep going back and forth so much. Oh, that's awesome. I can use that in the grocery store. I swear. I'm like one of the people that I go for the vegetables and then I go in the middle and then I'm like, oh, I forgot the apples. Ugh. Anyway, Ooh, yep. All right, I, will, I will keep your mom's pearl. So that's her. That was the phrase that you, you had. And I think that's awesome. Yes. What she showed me, the way that she lived is that there is always a way to accomplish what you need to accomplish and want to accomplish. And that action is really key. Like I said, she was the implementer and she could just figure anything out. We need to make money. She could find a way, you know, she just had that, that drive and then that creativity. I mean, you know, now that I think about it, I, I got my, I'm, I'm a total MacGyver mom and I totally got that from her. Mm -hmm. 
And it's, it's just the way she lived was that there's always a way we can figure this out and, but you got to act on it. And that's a really big like theme for me this year Mm -hmm. because we can think and we can plan all we want, but you got to move on it. Right. When you want to make it happen. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that you said that she's the implementer and your dad was more of like the big picture, like the dreamer idea man. Yeah. And it seems to me like all couples are kind of, or at least, you know, for the most part in my own relation, I can think of like, for me, I'm the dreamer. My husband's the implementer for my family. My mom was the implementer. My dad was the dreamer. Um, so I think that's a really interesting dynamic and it sounds like it worked for, worked for them. Yeah, it most definitely did. And I think that I'm very blessed in that I got a bit of both from them. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it. And I think those are great pearls of wisdom. So, and I think that it's, you can definitely see how those would have, you know, helped shape your life and even your business and, and what you're doing today. Oh, absolutely. Every day it, it, and it becomes clear, you know, how you learn something and then you apply it. Then you have different experiences as you go and it comes back to you. Then you think about it again in a new context and it, you're like, oh yeah. And so, yeah, it keeps coming back over and over again. Rep- repetition is is extremely important as you're trying to grow. And so I, I reflect on this an awful lot. And I'm so glad that you asked the question because then it made me think about it all over again. Hmm. I love it. I love it. So we go through a lot of changes, specifically when big things happen to us in life. And, you know, losing your mom, I think is probably the biggest thing that happens to a lot of, you know, people, or at least the people that I'm talking to. So yeah what changed in your life? I mean, obviously she's not there to talk to anymore, but aside from that, did you have any, you know, epiphanies or did it, did it lead you to living your life a different way in any way? Oh, it absolutely did. And this is the story that I've been sharing, which, you know, kind of was a precursor to when, when you had this opportunity and I thought how wonderful to be able to expand on this so much more and expand on the person that she is by caring for her. Um, obviously, you know, she had inspired me as, you know, a mom and a caregiver and an entrepreneur and all of these things over time. But being in the role of caregiver for her and what it did for us and to us. And, and it was, you know, it's, it's complicated for me to describe, but I think it's so important as even as part of my own grieving process as I continue to grieve. And then I also continue to, I guess, uplift myself in that uh, it was wonderful that I could give to her, but it was also so, so difficult. I mean, it nearly destroyed me. Mm. And it, I came out of, uh, and, and two, uh, when, when I, whenever you say about, you know, when did you lose her? I always think about that question because it's so different when it comes to something like Alzheimer's disease, Mm -hmm. because I lost her in pieces until she finally passed away. And so sometimes I make the distinction between when I lost her and when she passed away. Mm. And so given that, uh, you know, this was an entire process where I just, I tried to make the most of it and I did my very best to let go of non-essentials. I mean, I cut everything. I simplified as much as possible. I used every productivity technique that I knew. And I had this in me already. I was tended to be very productive and organized, always a list maker, you know, journals and planners and things like that. And I, I utilized every technique I could think of. I cut out, you know, as much as I could 
um, it really honed my efficiency skills. But there was so much that I couldn't do anything about, and I just had to, you know, bear the burden of. And when she did pass on, there was a strange and complicated kind of freedom of having my husband and my two children, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And when I looked around, it was really a fallout from that whole experience. It was, you know, chaos. It was bins of unopened mail and and just so much stuff because she'd moved into our home. And as careful as I tried to be, that's still, you know, doubling, doubling the amount of stuff. You know what I mean? It's like it, there, there was tons of, of clutter and I was so weary. And the process of coming out of that, you know, the life lessons I learned, it, yeah, I really started asking, how do we want to live moving forward? What's really important? Is this stuff important? You know, or is spending time with my family now that we have this chance to do it? And I really started to release. I wouldn't ever call myself a minimalist. I, you know, I don't know what the word is, a minimalist. I mean, I just, I'm <laughs> like, what's right for you, you know, but I was really really bent on releasing items and releasing what didn't serve and making space and getting that breathing room again. And I did the same thing for myself. I, I suddenly, I was like, it was a huge life lesson of how little self-care I had during that time. And now I'm a huge self-care advocate. I'm a huge advocate for a gratitude ritual and I'm bringing positivity into your life and building those muscles that will carry you through these difficult times. There were so many tools I wish I'd had prior to that. And so I made it a point to learn them and to now teach them. Wow. That's, that's um, <laughs> profound. Like, I mean, you know, there, I think a lot of, I think a lot of people go through that when they lose, you know, a loved one and then they have to kind of go through the stuff and they have to figure out, you know, I think my sister was on one end. She's like, I don't care. I don't really want any of it. You know, there was like a couple special things that she wanted, but um, it was just easier for her to not have all the stuff around. And for me, I was like, I want her bed. I want her, you know, like, I want to have her around all the time. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, I mean, I think I like how you say a middle list, like a, a middle, like whatever, whatever you need to have, you have. And then whatever you don't, you don't. Exactly. Exactly. And it's so different for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it even changes for you over time. You know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I can see some of the stuff that I had kept before that I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't really need this anymore. Um, and I haven't regretted throwing anything away yet or giving anything away. So that's good. Yeah. Now you mentioned a little bit about the grieving process. Um, what was your like, or, you know, how did you get through it? I, I'm sure it's still ongoing. It's obviously a, a forever thing, but what was yours like? how did you get through it? And do you have any advice for other people as they're going through it? Absolutely. Well, for starters, any kind of support that you can get so that you don't feel like you're going through it alone. It, it, that I would say first and foremost, this podcast you're doing, this is so beautiful because this is something that anyone can access at any time, you know, on demand when you need to feel like there's, there's others who've been through it and we totally get it and we understand. Mm-hmm. So um, as far as my own process, I, I definitely sought out, you know, um, connection to others. And I happen to have, I was in a caregiver support group, so I was able to connect with them for a bit and, and that helped. I cried a lot. I journaled. Mm-hmm. I focused on my own healing. 
Um, that, that was really huge. I think that whenever you feel overwhelmed, and especially in the grief process, the more that you can nourish yourself, the better. Uh, organizing was absolutely healing for me, so it all kind of pulls in together. And as far as my advice, um, you know, the biggest thing I would say is don't let other people's expectations dictate what you think you should be doing or when you should be doing it. You take your time. It's it, the, Grief is not, you know, linear and it's not chronological and it's not on a timetable. It's, it's in your heart and, and everyone's is different and it's colored by so many different things. And you can be going along for six months and think you're peachy and then something will just, you know, take you down to your knees. So it's okay. You know what I mean? It's let, let it be on your timetable. But, but one thing I would say is don't be afraid of the pain. And uh, there was a book that I read on grief and grieving, hmm. Kubler-Ross, I believe. And that really helped me with the stages of grief because I'm, you know, I've got that intellectual thing where I need some input and I need some guidance. And so it gave me a little structure to know that there are stages. And it doesn't mean that there's stages in a linear fashion. You can go and revisit or bounce around, but but that there are things that you will go through and it's okay. And um, so the one thing that I, my big takeaway, at least in my heart, I don't know if it's directly from the book, but it's kind of what I pulled in is that when you're crying, when you're feeling that pain, it's hard to feel it, but it represents healing. So, so take heart in that. Hmm. I think that's wonderful. I think you mentioned it's not linear and you see that the grief, you know, the, the stages of grief and it looks like this handy little chart and then you mm-hmm. actually go through it and it's like, you're right. Like you're, you're going along, you're like, I got this. And then the next second you're angry and then like, you know, whatever, a month later, all of a sudden you're sad again. So I think yeah. understanding that it's not as linear as it looks on that chart. Um, and then you mentioned a lot of self-care, which I think is interesting, especially like you, you were a mom with young kids and I, I was a mom with young kids. So for me, it's hard even now, it's been two and a half years, but to try to find that balance of like, okay, do I need, I need some time for myself. I need to process, I need to be able to journal or, you know, I think that's hard. And I do, I have guilt about that. Did you ever have guilt about it or? Yes, but I'm in recovery now. (laughs) Uh, But in all seriousness, and this is part of why what I do as a coach is such a gift to me, because I have to go through this process myself, and I've been there and done that. But uh, that that mom guilt and that you know needing that time and so forth, it that is a process. Absolutely, completely normal to feel the guilt because you you want to give and serve others. You're in a nurturing role, and that's a beautiful thing. That means you have a very giving heart, and of course, that heart has been. Um, rattled by this grief that you're dealing with, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's this process of saying, you know, you know, this, there's a description that's been abused quite a bit about the whole, the oxygen mask comes down, who do they say to put it on first? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But how do I really put that into action? And the, the way that I like to describe it, 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 and of course, I had a front row seat for this, is if you give and give and give until there's nothing left. You can't give from an empty cup. Mm-hmm. I think where we are mistaken is that sometimes we're like, there's a little liquid in left. It's not empty. And you're like, really? <laughs> it should be overflowing, don't you think? But we don't think in those terms. We think that it's just barely. And so what I would say to that is, you know, 
the the quality of how you you give to others is direct correlation to how you care for the vessel in which you give. And that's you. Hmm. I love that. I love that. Now it's been, you said it's been around like six years, almost exactly six years since Christmas. And um, does she, I always like to ask, does she visit you now or do you have a relationship with her now? Do you feel her presence at all? And, and how does that work for you? You know, it's funny when my dad passed away, he came to me in my dreams, Uh, but my mom didn't. And I really think that there, there's something different there in that I feel like she's just a thread through, through every aspect of my life. Like, I don't know how to distinguish the, the, the relationships and, and what was different about that. I mean, of course, it could be too. I was much younger and, you know, I was a daddy's girl and it was, you know, my my first parent who died, you know, there's definitely a different impact mm-hmm. and it was very difficult. And I think maybe I wonder sometimes I was at um, more peace with her passing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll actually, I'll, I'll share this. I didn't know quite what I was going to share, but I'm, I'm happy to share it all. And if anybody ever wants to ask me any more questions, I'm an open book about this. So I will, I will totally share whatever I can, but, um, at the point in which she passed away, she was so non-responsive that I actually prayed Christmas Eve that Mm -hmm. God would take her. Yeah. And and that's so hard. So the fact that she was given this release, what I see is a release because at least from what I could see, that was no way to live. You know, as hard as that was, as difficult as that was, it was like that, that was, that was a gift. And so I'm, you know, I have a different kind of peace with her passing than I did with my dad. So it's possible there isn't as much of a need, Hmm. you know? No, for sure. And I think that one thing that you said there, you said, she's like a thread and it just put a picture in my mind. She's a thread that runs through your constant daily life. She's in you all the time. You know, you're the work that you're doing. You can, you can see your mom's influence and you know, you can feel her with you every day. I think that is one of the coolest answers I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And so, yeah, I think with that, she just, she's there. So, so there doesn't need to be a different kind and you know, it's entirely possible. There's another connection that I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not picking up on yet, but it's also, I don't feel that I need to. I I feel, I feel content with it. And also I, I'm having moments like this where, where I get to share so fully um, about her. I, that's, that's a gift in itself. So thank you for that. Oh, I'm so glad. I I loved your story. And I got goosebumps a couple times. <laughs> and I love the fact that you are helping people, you know, organize themselves, organize their life. Like I had said in the in the intro, you are a productivity coach and pro organizer mm-hmm. and you own your own business doing that. So if people want to reach out to you, how would they go about doing so? I'm sure, you know, like, like we can, I'll put all the links in the show notes there, but let's, you know, kind of talk about anything that you have coming up or let's, let's promote your biz a little bit. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah. And this is a, you know, a direct legacy of hers in a way. I mean, you know, she, she inspired this. So I do, I try to, to serve others, whether they're in this situation or, or some other, um, you know, big life experiences. You, you said this, that, you know, big life experiences, you know, they, they cause a big shift. Mm-hmm. And so that, that happens a great deal, you know, with the, the stuff that we have around us and with, I think just being in general overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And that's what I help people get out. I, I wanted to call myself an uncomplicate your life coach because I thought that's <laughs> that about sums it up. It's like, can we just stop making things so complicated? And uh, so there's so many different ways to do that. And sometimes I think productivity comes from unexpected places. And one of my favorite places, of course, the name Positively Productive came from my desire to always promote the positive side of things and, you know, the can-do spirit. 